we'll move on then to God's Word, uh, the Bible. And in a minute, it will be helpful for my session to have you the yellow sheet which Avril handed out in front of you because we're going to go through. But you won't need it just yet because what I'd like you to do is in groups of two or three or four, wherever you're best um, uh, seated, just to share with one another um, a kind of a Desert Island Discs um, Bible moment. If you could only take one book of the Bible onto your Desert Island Disc, onto your Desert Island, um, which one and why? Who had a goss? Who had a goss? Who would take one of the four gospels? Uh, not as many as I would have thought. Uh, um, other New Testament books that aren't not non-gospel. Romans. Romans, yeah. yeah. Sometimes I think with Romans, I need to be on a desert island on my own to actually have time to understand what's going on in Romans. So, so lots of Old Testament. So who had Old Testament? Books. Sorry? Isaiah. It's really good. Psalms. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all of life's emotions in the Psalms. Yeah. Okay. Did anyone have Genesis or Revelation? Nobody had Genesis. I was really, cha- I was really challenged last week by someone, said, someone who said to me, um, we don't do enough Genesis and Revelation in the church. And this is not in, as in this church, as in the church. And how on earth are we supposed to be Christian people if we don't know where we've come from and we don't know where we're going to? Um, and actually, we should spend more time in Genesis and Revelation. Um, um, I would have had Mark's gospel, uh, just so you know. Um, okay, let's, let, let's keep, keep those thoughts, and we might come back to some of that uh, nearer the end. Um, I'd like us to, before we get into the Bible, I'd like us to think a bit about God and what he's up to. Um, because I think we need to understand something of him in order to understand something of what this is, what this is all about. And you see, God has particular ways in his wisdom in which he chooses to relate to people, um, and which he chooses to change people and grow people. Um, because it's not actually when you stop and think about, it, I mean, we, you know, the people that have been Christians a long time, people who have been churches a long time, are very used to picking up your Bible. I mean, it's kind of a. But if you if you go into Tesco's, you don't kind of pick up a book to find out what's going on in 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 Tesco's. And if you um, um, if you want to go watch a football match, you don't kind of pick up. You don't, you're not given a book on your way in to understand, you know, what's going on in the in the football match. Um, uh, uh, so actually, the idea that it's all in a book is is slightly counterintuitive, and these days is completely countercultural. Um, so I think it's worth actually just stopping and thinking why on earth God, in His wisdom, might have done it this way. Um, and I think it's about the way in which He relates to and grows uh, people. And there are two main pictures I think of 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 doing that through history. Um, one is one is by means of covenant. So God is a covenant, a God of covenant. And the word testament of Old and New Testament means covenant. It means Old and New Covenant. Um, I will be your God and you will be my people rings a lot through the, particularly the words of the, uh, the, the pages of the Old Testament. Um, and, and a covenant in, in history is, is about two parties 
agreeing how they're going to get on. Um, so in ancient history, the covenant was usually used at the end of a at the end of a battle, at the end of a war, the two kings would come together. Uh, there'd be the winning king and the losing king, and the covenant would determine how they would sort of continue uh, as neighbours yeah, in after the, after the war. And God takes that model and chooses to deal with His people in a kind of covenant model. This is I am God, and this is what I'm going to bring. You are my people, and this is what you are going to bring. So there's that kind of relationship is not a relationship of equals covenant is not a relationship of of equals the other way that god deals with his people is by continually renewing them and regenerating them and i think that is again from the stories that we know and i think also probably from our own experience if we think about our own experience through our christian life the christian life is not kind of you know graphically a straight line I mean, it's not even a, you know, it's not even a gradual up. It's kind of, it's, 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 for most people, me included, the spiritual life is a drunken man's walk. It's, it's up a bit and it's down a bit, uh, and it's all over the place a bit, and then you forget where you are, and then you get brought back to your senses, and then you go on. And that is because one of the reasons that in God's mercy and His grace is He is a God of regeneration and renewal. And He is looking to remake us and reform us and renew us and take us on into new places. Um, rather than make life boring. And, you know, we, we know a bit more about him each Tuesday. I mean, that's not kind of how God works. Um, and I think if, you underst- if we understand a bit about how God wants to deal with his people, a God of covenant, a God of this is what I bring, this is what you bring, and a God of regeneration and renewal, then we understand a little bit about why he's kind of given us this. Um, uh, because both of those uh, means are very well met in an authoritative book. Um, It's quite clear, I think, from both the Old and the New Testament that the people of God understood God's word to be uh, primary, to be the main way in which he communicates with people, and to be sufficient, to be all-encompassing in the way that he communicates with people. So Moses, famously in Deuteronomy 32, after he'd been given the law, so God, so Moses travels up Mount Sinai, he gets revealed to him God's word, the law, he, he brings it back, he deals with the sort of the naughtiness with the, the golden calf, uh, the Ark of the Covenant gets constructed, the special box in which the law gets put. Um, and then Moses says to the people, this is no empty word, this is your very life. So this is, this is more than just words, this is everything for life is, is here. Uh, Jesus in the New Testament, Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So what we have in our, yeah. No, it, it, as, as in, um, it's the, the number one, the main. Um, so it's not the only way in which God speaks to us. Um, but it's, okay, it's probably my lack of primary education, probably. Um, so the Bible is God-given. It's God's way of communicating with us. And it is this 
really interesting combination of human words, human authorship, and divine illumination. So God has revealed, reveals and continues to reveal his mind to us through the agents of the 40 or so uh, people, mainly men, uh, who, who, who wrote down those words, inspired by the Holy Spirit as they, as they wrote. And those, that, is con, that is given to us in the 66 books of, of the Bible, 39 in the old, 27 in the new. And I think it's really important that we get to see this as one book, as one revelation. Uh, there is a temptation... Um, there, there's a temptation, I think, for people that there's a temptation for people that don't understand the Bible, and then there's an, another temptation for people that really think they do understand the Bible um, in the way that they they move between Old and New Testament. And and the danger is that I think we view the Old Testament as kind of plan number one, and that didn't quite work out, and so God sends Jesus, and that's plan number two in the New Testament. Um, that's not how it works. It is all kind of it is all plan A. It is all uh, one plan. And, and as we get more comfortable, particularly with the Old Testament, what we can start to do is is allow our kind of our, our reading and our thoughts to move between the two. So the Old Testament uh, can uh, feed our understanding of Jesus. So um, a lot of you had the Psalms. As, as, as your book. And, and one of the reasons that Christian people um, uh, will, will really value the Psalms is that a number of the Psalms point, you know, very, very directly to the person of Jesus. Psalm 22 <coughs> is a really good example. Um, the prophecies of Isaiah, we had Isaiah, didn't we, somewhere as well. Um, and the prophecies of Isaiah, Isaiah 53 uh, in particular, kind of point us forward towards uh, toward, towards Jesus. There is a relationship kind of then back, back the other way in that what the new, what, what Jesus does in the New Testament ultimately is create the people of God. We began, uh, month one here at Awakening with our identity in Christ. And our identity in Christ is that we are sons and daughters of Christ. We are Christ's, uh, family. You know, we are part of the people of God. So where do we learn about what it's like to be the people of God? Well, what the Old Testament is, of course, is kind of 1,500 years of history of the ups and downs of the people of God um, uh, and what it is like to be uh, church. It's really interesting that the Hebrew word uh, for the people uh, gathered in the book of Joshua says the people of Israel crossed the River Jordan into the Promised Land the, the word for that gathering of people that have just crossed the River Jordan in Hebrew is exactly the same word in the New Testament in Greek for church. So what the Old Testament says, that what the, the people that God gathered in the Promised Land was a church. Um, and actually then you know, what happens to them uh, throughout the Old Testament is, uh, uh, is not just kind of interesting ancient history, but is there for our uh, education of what it's like to be uh, God's people. Of course, one of the challenges when we're reading our Bible is interpreting it. So um, there are bits of the Bible which are really, really clear, and there are bits of the Bible which are really, really difficult to understand, and most of it is kind of is in between, but is um, it takes some work. 
and at point number four on your on your handout, I'd like to spend a bit of time on on this because to interpret a Bible, to understand what's going on, and to understand how God is using it to speak to us requires two things. It requires technical skills and it requires spiritual receptivity. And I've, when I started to realize this, I actually found it really helpful because I think that there is a danger that people oscillate in particular to one way or to the other. And I suspect if we, you know, if we kind of, if we did a, an honest kind of audit of ourselves, um, and, and split the room. We would, I guess, split roughly 50-50. And we've, it's been that way when I've, I've talked about this with other groups. Between people that are over-technical in the way that they read the Bible and people that are over-spiritual in the way that they read the Bible. Um, it's not often that we have to worry about being over-spiritual. Uh, but I think actually in our Bible reading you can, uh, you can be over-spiritual. So there are actually some technical skills that we need um, to interpret the Bible. And that's why regular, you know, when we come on in the second bit, to regular Bible study is actually a really important thing. Because like all skills in life, you get better at it by practicing. I mean, that is the God-given way for humanity to get better at stuff, um, is, to, um, is to practice. And that is true of our Bible reading as well. Some of those technical skills, you know, all of which can be taught, um, and 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 we kind of we, we do a bit of that. I think week by week here in in church, you know, particularly with our with our sermons, uh, is about understanding the context, understanding where this book was coming from, understanding the words as they were originally written, who the author was, who the audience was, where this passage fits into the one big narrative of the people of God, which is, which is the Bible. You know, understanding, um, if we think of, of the people of God as the gathered church in the Old and in the New Testament, what is the state of that people? You know, in the Old Testament, are they close to God? Have they drifted away from God? Have they just won a battle? Have they just lost a battle? Um, uh, are they going through times of blessing? Are they going through times of famine? Um, uh, and understanding that and then transporting ourselves into that, into that context is one of the technical skills. And they are good skills to have, and they're, they're, again, the world divides into two sets of people, people who, who kind of relish gaining technical skills, um, and then people who really would rather they wish they didn't have to. So... Um, um, I am somebody that if I get, if, you know, in, in the, I think in our married life we've had three televisions. Um, uh, uh, one got broken, one got, one couldn't cope with DVDs, and then I can't remember why we've got another one. Um, I've never read a TV um, manual uh, in, my, in my life. Um, and so actually I am... Um, and, and actually, as I get older and, and the technology improves, my ability to do the different things that our TV does goes, goes, goes down. Uh, and the technical skills that I now rent are the technical skills of my, of, of my children. But there is a bit of me that thinks I just don't need the technical skills because I know how this works. You know, <laughs> if, I, if I press enough buttons, then eventually it will come up to, to, what, to what I want to watch. Um, 
And so there, is, there are some of us who naturally kind of just think we're above developing technical skills. Uh, there are some of us who spend so much time in the manual that we never actually get to enjoy the TV. Right? So, you know, we, 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 take, you know, we take the book and we study it and we, uh, and we look at it really carefully and we want to know all the different features that this television has got so that we can go and tell our friends about all the different features. And actually we're so kind of into the manual that we're never actually into the Bake Off or whatever, or, or, or whatever it is. Um, so technical skills, I think, are something we need to... You know, we need to, we need to work on and we need to think about, you know, where do I come relative to my willingness to do this stuff? However, I could be really, really technical at the Bible. And there are some people who are really, really technical at the Bible, but they're not Christians. Um, and you need to balance technical skill. Uh, and and the, obviously, sorry, the very, very best example of, of, of people that were really technical in the Old Testament but weren't Christians were the Pharisees um, and, and, the, um, uh, and the lawyers uh, that, that Jesus spoke the parables to. So they were people that would you know, shame us in their knowledge of the Old Testament. But they are proof to us that actually we don't just read the Bible for knowledge. We read the Bible for relationship. And technical skills get you so far, if I torture my television analogies just one more time, um, technical skills might get me to a place where I can watch Bake Off, but they won't help me enjoy a cake. So I can, I can, I can read my TV manual and I can work out how to find BBC Two Plus One on iPlayer, thingy, whatever, uh, but actually it doesn't make a Victoria sponge tastes any better. And actually, when ultimately, we're not reading the manual for knowledge. We're reading the Bible for relationship. And relationship is not a technical thing. I can't write down how to get into relationship with God. Relationship is a spiritual thing. And it's a spiritual, it's a gift from God, actually. The, the relationship is, is all because... Um, he has said, I want to be in relationship with you. I will be your God and you will be my people. It's back to that covenant thing. Um, uh, it is God who decided um, from the very beginning. It's God who told Noah. It's God who told Abraham. It's God who told King David. Uh, it's God who spoke through the prophets. Uh, uh, I will be your God and you will be my people. It's all about relationship. And relationship is... Um, uh, we enter into that relationship which God has gifted us through what I'm calling here our spiritual receptivity. We, are, we have opened our spirits to be in relationship to God. And we read our Bibles expecting God to have relationship through the words. And it's that way that it becomes more and more a, uh, 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 a spiritual thing as opposed to a technical thing. But again, we need to have balance. Because actually the world is full of spiritual people. And my observation is that people in this country are getting more spiritual rather than less over time. Um, and I, 
I, I, haven't, I haven't really been here very long, but I suspect I've already told you this before, so apologize. Um, do you ever wander into coffee shops? It's probably not true of the Hancross coffee shop, um, uh, but it's certainly true of the Haywards Heath ones. Uh, and they've got the, they've got the board, they've got the board up with everyone's business cards and leaflets. And every third business card is someone that will teach you to drive. And every third one is someone that will mow your lawn. Uh, but the other third one is someone that will sort your life out for you. Um, and will send you on a self-help course. Or send you on a kind of a know yourself better or inner meaning or uh, mindfulness in particular at the moment. Yeah? Um, uh, so the world is increasingly a spiritual place. But the danger with the coffee shop notice board is its spirituality which is absent the person of Jesus Christ. And that's actually quite a dangerous spirituality. Uh, and so that is where you need to be careful not to over-spiritualize your reading of the Bible. So just on the one hand, you need to be not to be over-technical, because it's about relationship, not about knowledge. You need to be careful that you don't get over-spiritual, because you need to know he whom you want to have relationship with. And, it, and just kind of reading my Bible to make me feel better is not the type of relationship that, 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 that we want. And um, that's why we need to be really careful, I think, about cherry-picking the bits of the Bible that we want to read. Um, uh, because we all have our favorite verses, and don't get me wrong, favorite verses are really helpful, and particularly actually when you're feeling a bit low, to be able to recall something is, 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 is really helpful. Um, but if we're not careful, if we over-spiritualize it, we have a relationship which is all about my favorite verse and not actually about what God wants to say to me in that particular uh, situation. So, a balance. And I would encourage you as you go away tonight to think about, okay, am I a more technical person or am I a more spiritual person? And, or does that vary over time or has that varied over my, my Christian journey? And as I think about my Bible reading over the next month, do I want to build some technical skills? Do I want to challenge myself with some Old Testament prophecy and read a bit about where this is coming from and what the situation in Israel was? Or actually, do I want to challenge myself to be more spiritual? And do I want to say, okay, this Bible reading plan that I've done for the last 25 years um, has been really helpful, but I kind of, I know it's Ezekiel 15, 23 tomorrow, and I already know what that's, you know, what that says. And actually, I'm going to do something a bit different. Ah, I'm going to go back to Genesis, and I'm going to find out all about the relationship that God had with Abraham in Genesis 17, 18, and 19, and try and have that relationship myself. What should we look for when we read the Bible? Again, there are broadly two types of passage in the Bible. There, there are bits where the Bible is telling us a story, and there are bits where the Bible is communicating uh, discourse, words, conversation, letter. When we're reading a story in the Bible, and of course this is what we kind of traditionally did in Sunday school, isn't it? We read stories in, in the Bible. Um, I'm going into you know, St. Mark's school quite a lot on Tuesday mornings at the moment, and, and we're doing different stories of Jesus. We're doing Walking on Water tomorrow, which I'm really looking forward to, because it's one of my favourite stories, and I need to be careful not to talk about it the way I want to talk about it, rather than the way the seven, eight, nine-year-olds want to talk about it. But um, 
when we read the stories, when we read the narrative, what you will often find is that the meaning is drawn out by the character at the end or at the climax of the story. So when you read a story in the Bible, look for what the, the main character says and look for what he or she says towards the end of the, end of the story. But you then got to be really careful because remember the point of the story is relationship with God. So we don't read the stories of Abraham in order to be in relationship with Abraham. We read the stories of Abraham to be in relationship with God. And unless we're clear about that, we can very, very easily misinterpret the story. So I've given here on the sheet the example of, of, of Abraham uh, being told to go sacrifice uh, Isaac in Genesis 22. I suspect most of us have heard sermons which say that the point of that story is Abraham obeyed God and that was a good thing, that was a virtue and we should obey God. Um, that is not what that story is all about. That is absolutely not what that story is all about. Because the story is not asking us to imitate Abraham. The story is asking us to enter into relationship with God. And what the story says at the end when the ram is in the thicket, is the Lord provides. And the whole point of that story, what it's trying to tell us about God, is the Lord provides. So look for the point, look for what the character is saying, but don't look for relationship with the character, look for relationship with God. In discourse, a discourse includes the Psalms, it includes poetry, it includes prophecy, it includes the letters where people are speaking or writing to um, an audience, usually then the Bible states its purpose at the beginning. So Paul is really very good. In most of Paul's letters in chapter 1, he tells, his, he tells people why, oh foolish Galatians, you know, how could you be so silly, uh, forgetting that there is a gospel of grace. You know, the Psalms very often, the very first, you know, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. That is the purpose, that is the main point uh, of, of, the, of, of the story. Finally, before we break for, uh, uh, before we break for coffee, um, how should we read our Bible? Point number six on your sheets. Three ways in which I think as we grow that we can look to read our, our Bibles. The first and I think I brought this a bit out when I talked about being spiritual as well as technical, is we should aim to read our Bibles theologically. Um, I used to hate English literature. I really hated English literature with a passion uh, at school. Uh, and it was one of those subjects that you couldn't opt out of. So there were three subjects I really didn't like uh, when I was at school. One was geography which seemed to be all about kind of colouring in and stuff. And I just really... But that was okay, because I could stop doing geography, and I didn't have to do O-level geography. Uh, one was art, and that was okay, because my art teacher wouldn't have had me in the art class for O-level art. So, so. But the other I didn't like was English literature. And uh, we had to read for English literature O-level Cider with Rosie by Laurie Lee. And I detested that book. And I, I tried to cheat by getting the, the book on tape out of the library... Uh, but my mum found it and she said, that's not the way you should be doing at O-level. And so she actually returned the tape. Um, so I was forced to read this book. Uh, and I worked out, being a mathematician, that if I read 22 and a half pages every day, 
during the school holidays, I would read Sides with Rosie. And that's what I did. Didn't matter if that, if, if there was a paragraph break or a chapter break, I, I put, a, I, I got my ruler out and I put a line through the 22nd and a half page. And on a day by day basis, I read 22 and a half pages of Side of the Rosie. And didn't get a very good grade. Um, isn't there a danger that we read our Bible like that? We should seek to read our Bibles theologically. And that means we begin with prayer. We ask for God's Holy Spirit to help us in this task. We look for God's revelation. The purpose of the book is that God wants to enter relationship with us. And he does that by telling us of himself, by freely giving in revelation. And we see that when we're reading the Old Testament, we don't see that as the kind of the murky revelation and we can't wait to get to the New Testament. You know, we're in Hebrews at the moment in our sermon series, aren't we? Hebrews 1, 1, in you know, times of old God spoke this way and then now he has spoken through uh, his, his son. Uh, uh, it doesn't say you can discard the prophets now because you can only listen to the son. It's a continual uh, revelation. We then have to realize that we're not going to get it all straight away. And I, one of the huge privileges for me of, of the job that I'm in now is actually having a, having a real excuse to spend a bit more time in the Bible and to find out new things. And I was utterly ama- when did we, when did we do, um, uh, we did the priorities of Jesus, didn't we? And we did, um, feeding the 5,000. Now, feeding the 5,000, I'm, and so I'm 45, so I've heard, you know, feeding the 5,000 for the last 42 years, and I kind of know it, right? I know what the feeding the 5,000 is all about, and it's, you know, it's obvious. And I was preparing for feeding the 5,000 back in October, November, and there was new stuff. And it had never occurred to, probably because I'm slow, and you worked all this out years and years ago, but it actually had never occurred to me that Jesus didn't feed the crowd. So I'm not going to give the whole sermon again. And you can, it's probably on the website still. Jesus didn't feed the crowd. Jesus passed the bread back to the disciples and the disciples fed the crowd. And I'd never seen that before. Idiot. And I, but God, God is, God is in the Bible is talking things of eternity, things of himself, things of infinity, things of God. And we're not going to get it all at the first go. And a part of, I probably wouldn't have, you know, you probably don't get side with Rosie at the first go, but you probably do get it at the third go. Um, the things of the Bible are going to be revealed to us new all the, all the time. And then I think we need to get into the habit of asking questions. Asking questions of the text, asking questions of ourselves, asking, quest- asking honest questions of God. God, what are you trying to say here? What's this all about? And then finally, I think we need to try and get to ourselves a place where we could see the Bible as art as well as literature. That actually God hasn't just inspired the words, but he's inspired the way in which the words are presented. And again, I was really surprised, but now I'm reflecting, I'm really pleased that so many of you said the Psalms. Because what we've done with the Psalms is we've taken them back to how the Psalms were originally songs. The Psalms were never supposed to be read. The Psalms were originally supposed to be sung. And of course, what you know, modern songwriters are, are doing uh, for our benefit is turning them back into songs. Um, and that should help us in our Bible reading. You know, if you come across a psalm, why not put on, on your iPod, the song, you know, which 
Chris Tomlin or whatever has written using that psalm and actually start to see not just the inspiration in the, in, in, you know, in the, in the line of the text, but see God's inspiration in the art form, which is the psalm, or which is the letter, which is the poetry, which is revelation. I mean, that's the way to get into revelation, is to, is to view it almost as art and actually see the wonder of what's been, of the pictures that have been painted in, in the book of, in the book of Revelation.